The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rotor Roll Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined, as always, by Mr. Denny Carter. It is Monday. We can say that since it's the offseason. Yeah, kind of a slow NFL news week, but one of the biggest news items of the entire offseason was finally cleared up with Odell Beckham finding a new home for a shockingly high salary. We will get to that in a minute. And we'll also talk about the increased chatter. The Cardinals might be trading the number three overall pick. Promising reports on Brees Hall's recovery from his knee injury. Richie James signing with the Kansas City Chiefs, which Denny assures me is the single most important move of the entire offseason. <laughs> and then we will get to Denny, who never, ever stops writing, thankfully for me and our website, has an article on Target commanding tight ends. We're going to talk about Pat Fryermuth, Kyle Pitts, the man they call Chig, and maybe TJ Hawkinson. And even I might force Denny to talk about um, Darren Waller. But first... Yeah, Denny, I, I, I had a topic all – sometimes we don't have any riffing topics. And then yes, other sir. days there's like four things we want to riff about. I wanted to riff about the most egregious tank in recent sports history and what is the shame of the Dallas Mavericks and what they're currently doing. Or they have now finished. The NBA regular season is over. Right. But then a much more, on top, more, much, much more important topic it came did. to mind. And something that yeah, was brought up innocently by me, something that admittedly bothered me, but it seemed like it had you in an absolute rage. <laughs> that is a, a fashion decision made by prominent sportswear company, Nike. Denny, take it from here. That's right. You, you look, um, it came to my attention early in this golf season. And the folks know that I, I follow golf pretty closely slash extremely closely in the off season, in the NFL off season. And for the first like two or three tournaments of the year, I kept seeing guys wearing their shirts backward. You know, because almost every guy is wearing is wearing a Nike shirt, right? That's what the um, Zoomers do. They wear their Nike sh- active wear backwards, right? And and you could go purchase one at your local sports store for three hundred and eighty five dollars, uh, <laughs> the low yes. low price. Um, I have I have one on layaway. I've had it since on layaway since January. <laughs> and you know, so I'm looking, and there's a Nike swoosh on the on the back. Okay, so these guys are lined up. They're 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 hunched over their golf ball. And I can see the Nike swoosh, and I'm I'm yelling at the TV. Why won't the media talk about these backwards shirts? Every dude on this course is wearing a backwards shirt. No mention of it. Nothing. Just the this the weird uh, uh, you know swoosh on the back. And then you noticed it at the Masters. And I did. I'm, and and it's the worst thing. 
I just thought it, I thought it was a factory mistake. Like they did a, a yeah. you know, an accidental run, kind of like when they mess up a coin. And then I was like, figured I could buy the backward swoosh on eBay for you know like four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. You know, I'm assuming that like, that would appreciate then, like the way all these sneakers and stuff do. But no, not not an error at all. It's a very very triggering decision from Nike, um, who, who I'm now I'm now boycotting, Denny. Even though to be honest, <laughs> I have a lot of Nike activewear, and I will not be boycotting. I'm I'm going up to my roof and I'm throwing my Nike shirt off the roof <laughs> and it's going to land very softly on the grass, but it's going to learn its lesson, which is, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't put one on the back. It's, it's, um, you, you know, here's the thing. Nike is not well known enough. You know, the, the, <laughs> The, 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 the swoosh symbol is not uh, ubiquitous. And There's so not they, yet another hagiography of the company out just in theaters last weekend called Air, directed by Ben Affleck. Which I'm, de- I'm being told is not an SNL sketch. It's an actual movie. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so, so we, don't, we don't get enough swoosh in our lives. The guys have it on their hats. The, the PGA players have it on their hats. They have it on the front of their shirts. They have it on their golf balls. They have it sometimes on their golf bag, on their shoes, obviously, on their socks. Okay, it's everywhere. But we need one more, folks. We need one more. And 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 Nike is paying someone uh, two point six million dollars to come up with the ideas of how do I do we get more swooshes in the faces of of the golf viewing public? And I respect. We need so many more swooshes. Did you want to talk about the power of branding? By the way, my. My four-year-old son recently saw an older older boy wearing what he called Adidas shoes <laughs> and just like went on a tear. Like he had to have some Adidas shoes. My really? Mommy, can I please have some Adidas shoes? And yeah, as the first, I have a daughter who's almost seven and she's like never cared about brands or branding before, but all of a sudden my four-year-old son just had to have a pair of Adidas shoes. So now he has the absolute cutest pair of Velcro. Adidas yeah. I, uh, I do love uh, when my kids become uh, brand committed. That is, that always makes me feel good as a dad to know that uh, they have pledged allegiance, pledged their allegiance to a, a certain brand. I became a Nike man at a very, very young age, didn't he? Yeah. Very, very young. Age. I mean, it was, it was like the absolute Zenith of Nike marketing, like the mid nineties. Oh yeah. I was hook, line and sinker. I, can I tell you that I actually, at that time, I was trying to be a Reebok guy just to be contrarian. Yeah, contrarian, not surprised. Maybe and, some some Fila in there. Oh yeah. Oh, I, anything but that. No, 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 no. Nike's not for me. Sorry, guys. I'm uh, I'm a Reebok guy. You know. Uh, you know. And it, and all the Reebok stuff was ugly as hell. So I, I look like an idiot. But uh, it's funny. I I went on a ten to twelve year bender. Actually, longer than that. Fifteen to twenty. Where this is actually not a joke. Where. The only shoes I wear on an everyday basis were Reebok Classics, and I finally have just recently kicked that addiction. Um, Reebok cla- like the dad shoes, the dad ones. Well, so like, but like not the black or the white ones. I, I would always wear like gray or like blue or navy. Um, they go with a lot of things. They're very comfortable. <laughs> um, but, they do. It's you know what uh, uh, you are nothing if not practical. Everybody's saying they're not quite like Air Force One, Pete Carroll, Nike level, but yeah, they're they're getting there, and they're not quite New Balance. Like that N doesn't take up sixty percent of the side of the shoe, yeah. the way it does on New Balance. But yeah, there's a, there's a the 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 ends are, are are very large on the New Balance uh, thing. But yeah, uh, Nike, if you're listening, Nike, uh, you know, higher ups, 
Uh, consider taking that swoosh off the back because I'm I'm absolutely triggered over it. Well, and you're outside the 18 to 34 demographic, though, so your opinion means absolutely I, nothing. I still I still immediately spend every dollar I make. So there you go. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Your opinion means absolutely nothing since you're over <laughs> the age of 34. Time to move on from Nike. I, we're moving on to a topic that I thought we would never be able to stop talking about, and that is Odell Beckham, who did not play football in the year 2022. Denny's played 21 games since 2019, zero of which came last season. And yet he is somehow the most tweeted about athlete in the NFL Maybe and has agents and like PR firms is working overtime. Like Odell, he's working out. You know, Odell, he's, I saw him at DFW. I'm just maybe, you know, here the Cowboys might be interested. Non-stop Odell Beckham leaks and chatter from fans even though he's on the wrong side of 30 and has one of the most concerning injury histories in the entire league, he has found a new home. He's received a shockingly high salary, like, yeah. like shockingly, shockingly high salary of $15 million for a guy. We had not only over 30, not only with the injury history, he's coming off the second tear of his ACL. I forget which knee for a team, I guess is truly desperate for receiver help a team that is transitioning from Greg Roman's fire and brimstone run based offense to Todd Monken's, very, very pass-happy offense. We don't even know who the quarterback is going to be. Uh, I'm just saying a lot of things expressing my shock, basically, this deal. What do you think about Obeckham landing for one year, $15 million with the Baltimore Ravens? Well, he fits the the Ravens archetype, right? You know, wrong side of 30, injury history, probably watched. <laughs> and bang, we got you. You know, we, we, you got to come. got to come play in Baltimore. Ladies uh, and gentlemen, we got him. We, we we did. They did. Uh, no, it's not good. I mean, for fantasy, I, I should say. Now, if Beckham Beckham's ideal landing spot for fantasy would have been in a um, a somewhat pass heavy to very pass heavy offense without a clear cut target dominator. Okay, I don't really. No teams come to mind. I, I'm not saying that if he landed in these five spots. I'm just saying that would be the ideal. Yeah, Denny and, creating a straw man that doesn't exist. Uh. That's that's what I'm paid. <laughs> to do and uh and you know but he lands in the complete opposite situation um where he lands in, a, in an offense where the targets are dominated by mark andrews just to give folks a, a feel for that domination last year 29 percent target share for mark andrews that was fifth among not tight ends but all pass catchers last year uh he was 10th in in uh overall target share the year before and his 30 percent air yard share since the start of the 2021 season He's insane and second behind only Travis Kelsey among tight ends. So you have that. You have that. You have Rashad Bateman maybe ascending, okay, into into a wide receiver one ish role. Now I say wide receiver one, not number one pass catcher. That's Andrews. So, and you have Todd Munkin, who has uh, used in several of his stops in college and the pros used a lot of two tight end sets. You have Isaiah Likely there. Music to the Ravens ears. Look. I, you have Lamar. If if Lamar returns, it's not going to be pass heavy. Okay, let's just say that it's going to it be. It will be balanced. pass heavier. It will be pass heavy. Right. It could be balanced. And here's I just wanted to read something from from uh, last month. Uh, Ryan Mink from Ravens.com talked about Todd Munkin and, and what he may or may not do with good the Ravens reporter. offense. What did you say? He said he's a good reporter, Ryan Mink. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll spare you some of the, uh, the details here, but it says, quote, overall, I think Munkin will, will make the Ravens more balanced and capable of playing different ways. It's no secret that Baltimore has to improve its passing attack, and I think Munkin will accomplish that. 
but you, you still have a rushing quarterback if Lamar comes back. And honestly, I'm kind of out on secondary pass catchers in, in offenses quarterbacked by rushing guys, you know, and I, I just, I don't know. I don't know where Beckham's volume comes from here. Isn't is weird that Mark Andrews is of course like the vortex at the center of like the Ravens targets universe. So that is true. It's also true that even in the most run heavy offenses, you do need a viable second target. And there's always a backup like tertiary targets guy. And it it's probably a good landing spot for Beckham from that perspective, but it may be a bad landing spot and that it's like so wide open that he might get like forced into the number one role. If Rashad Bateman isn't healthy or like ready to take the next step. And that would be very, very bad for Odell Beckham. I think really, really just like needs to be like a role player or like a secondary piece at this stage with his age, injury history, all that. And there is also a scenario too, then where Rashad Bateman does take a step forward. Nelson Aguilar is honestly one of the better like role playing receivers in the NFL. I mean, we kind of laughed at that signing, but he is like a, he is good at what he does. It was kind of hard to tell in new England because they're not good at what they do with the passing attack, man. And then like James Prochet and Devin Duvernay. I mean, I guess, I don't know if they will get targets, um, but I think he needed to be like somewhere that had a very, I, I don't know. I guess maybe Mark Andrews is that guy. I thought he needed to be somewhere with like a clear cut to find number one receiver. I guess yeah. Mark Andrews does fit that bill. I, I don't think it could be like the worst landing spot where he, there's at least, he doesn't have to be like the guy, but it could be like the worst of both worlds where it does remain very run heavy. Mark Andrews target share remains like abnormally high for yeah. number one. And then Beckham is just needed for more than he can give at this point in the receiver core. And it's just very bad all around. You know, I, I could see this uh, turning into something like, maybe not as extreme, but something like when Julio Jones signed with Tampa last year, where people started to chase oh, yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he got up to like the eighth round of 12 team drafts. Like that, that was really rich for a guy 33 years old, I think Julio was last year and, and hadn't had a, uh, a good healthy season in three years. It's the same, sort of the same deal. I know Beckham's not that old, but you know, thirty. It's a great comp. I mean, he's over thirty. I mean, that's the only number that really matters. Spring chicken, um, right? Um, and and uh, I I will say just just to give listeners an idea, like of like ta- what target share means in different offenses, because you know we, we remember last year being like, oh man, Kyle Pitts has a thirty five percent target share. Well, it came out to six targets, so you know that's, that's, it's not great. <laughs> that's, on, that's on the season. And, <laughs> <laughs> six targets all year. Um, uh, so just to give you an idea, so Demarcus Robinson from in the second half of the season last year for Baltimore played nine games, saw a 21% target share that was trailing only Mark Andrews, who had a 25% share. But that worked out to only five targets per game. Okay, so this offense, you're go- it's going to have to change dramatically, and Beckham's going to have to leapfrog Rashad Bateman in order to you know, possibly – uh, justify what his ADP will be. I promise you, his ADP will be ridiculous. Denny, I'm about to say a very political name, but this is this is actually not about politics. Do- Donald Trump, or some of our listeners may have heard of him, um, became president in the fall of 2016. He assumed the oath of office on January 20th, 2017. A lot has happened in that time, as you may be aware. Uh, in that time, Odell Beckham has scored 21 touchdowns in six seasons. Um, That's uh, not a lot. The entire Donald Trump era of American history, Odell Beckham has 21 touchdowns. Like, 
I just feel like we're just like chasing ghosts here. Right. Like no, it's I, just I, I do think we should leave politics out of it. We myself. should, yeah. I shouldn't even say his name. Yeah, uh, but I mean people not to people, get political. Yeah, look <laughs> you can't even mark time. You can't even mark eras by presidents anymore. Yeah. I mean six touched I me mean, that feels like many lifetimes, you know, to yeah. many American citizens, and he scored twenty one touchdowns in that time span. I just I think the name the name value, especially in casual leagues is going to skyrocket him to a point where, and also the hype, if Lamar comes back, you know, Lamar is going to be like, yeah, man, I like, I can't wait to work with OBJ. Like, I can't believe we have them. This, like, this could be a big P. Uh, how do you say that word? Peon? Peon? <laughs> I'll bring it to Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Like, listen, we're trying to finally actually sign receivers. Maybe they're friends. Um, how about so draft maybe- one? Uh, yeah, it's true. Maybe they still will, actually. Um, perhaps this is an olive branch to Lamar Jackson where, listen, we know you weren't happy about the Greg Roman system, which Lamar has said and, like, his receivers yeah. have hinted at. Like, we're trying to get right. Like, we're even willing to overpay for a guy, you know. Yes. But uh, Wrong guy, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. Wrong yeah. guy. So, I mean, fantasy, I mean, over under wide receiver three, Denny. Top 36. Oh. Um, 23. I'd have to say under at the moment. I, I would mean, too. I mean, it just—he needs a lot to go right to become viable yeah. again. Just like a lot. I mean, this, this is the second ACL tear of the same knee. I mean, that's just very, very, very few people have come back from it, and the ones who have have tended to be like in their mid twenties, and he's right. touching thirty-one during the twenty twenty-three season. So, eye-opening money. Not a lot to get excited about in fantasy. Denny, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports at least six teams have inquired about trading up to number three overall uh, with the Arizona Cardinals in the draft, a.k.a. to get the third best quarterback in this draft. We have coming up in three weeks. Uh, It seems like C.J. Stroud is going number one. Seems like Bryce Young is going number two. Number three, I mean, could be Anthony Richardson. Could mm-hmm. I was about to say it could be Will Levis. Probably can't be Will Levis. Some, some people are claiming it could be Hendon Hooker, right? even though he's 25 years old and coming off a catastrophic knee injury. Is there any team and any specific quarterback you want to move up to number three? Because it does seem like this is happening. And like, why would it not be happening? The Cardinals do have their quarterback in Kyler Murray. They have holes all over the roster. They're like in a textbook. They have to trade back and accumulate draft capital. I think it will happen. Is there anyone in particular you have your eye on trading up to number three? Well, I mean, I I don't know who who I want to get the boot like for for the like current starting quarterbacks. I guess I mean, if 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 the if the Raiders traded up into oh, the top man. three, say something fun, man. Oh man, no, I mean it, it could be. What I'm saying is, it could if they t- trade up to number three and they take a guy like Anthony Richardson, not a guy like him. If they take Anthony, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is catastrophic for Devontae Adams. So and it's catastrophic for Anthony Richardson. He needs to end up with someone who will actually develop him. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah, but uh, but I, I I do think that like you know for the fantasy values of pass catchers in these offenses who could trade up the Titans. Um, you know, obviously are one uh, who else? The Falcons. There's a lot of suspects here. I mean, it could be the Colts moving up one spot to number three, just to ensure they get their guy. It could be the Seahawks. I think there's been some Seahawks, Anthony Richardson chat. There, there, ha- there have been a lot. Yeah. They pick fifth. It could be the lions who are at the stage where they, they are one player away of like, they convince themselves. Anthony Richardson is that one player. The lions could be the team. The Raiders of course are chatter. I think the Falcons at eight, should really seriously consider doing this. 
And, and I think they would be maybe a, a type of a, a good landing spot for like a raw athlete like Anthony Richardson at the quarterback position where like the pressure can be off a little bit at the beginning. He can actually be allowed – he can maybe start still as a rookie but be allowed to brought, be brought along slowly as a passer. I think the Falcons would make a lot of sense. But beyond that, I mean, then it's the Titans are like kind of like the last chance saloon for like the teams that would like conceivably have the draft uh, capital to move up because it's not so, going to happen with the commanders, so on and so forth. Th- th- this is basically, I mean, I know I, I've, I've read the Hendon Hooker stuff. James Palmer from NFL Network said, and multiple teams are calling him the, their QB3. It's a friend uh, of the show, James Palmer, by the way. Maybe we'll have him back on again this summer. Absolutely. Um, and uh, behind Stroud and, and Young in no particular order. So this is, ba- this is, but this, I still think this is the Anthony Richardson sweepstakes here. Like, like who's going yeah, yeah. to make that? Whoever lands at three, they're not taking Will Levis, right? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, unless it's someone who's like head over heels in love, Oof. but it seems like the classic Will Levis, we, we would like to think front offices don't think like this, but it seems like the classic situation, even if there is a front office, like in their dream scenario, they just had the number three pick and they would take Will Levis. They don't. They wouldn't want to like take the heat for making right. that move. I right. don't think anyone would make that move for Will Levis. I, I mean, look, Will Levis has a lot going against him. Okay, there's the, the accuracy issues. My guy is too muscular. You got to tone. I, it I was gonna say, and now I've heard people complaining he's in too good a shape. No, I not, not agree too with good that shape. Thing. There's a difference between being in good shape and looking like a bodybuilder. No, no quarterback looks like that. Come on, until man. now. Till you now. got, you got. This guy has to leave the weight room for eight weeks. Okay, <laughs> uh, you, you, you got to get skinny, Will. Uh, he's putting mayonnaise in his coffee. He's eating bananas whole on Instagram. Whole. I'm talking about with the with oh, the cover. Is that a thing? With, yeah, with, with the cover, Denny. The more popularly known the as the peel. The peel. Whatever. I'm not. You know. I'm not a banana expert. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> I've never even seen a banana. Anyway, I mean, yeah, he has a lot. There's a lot, lot, a lot of question marks. I mean, he he's probably a good football player. I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not so sure he's a good quarterback. Uh, speaking of eating, so that's a thing. They actually eat a banana with the peel. I mean, you stuff? know, like the you know the guys who like eat like seven steaks a day. Yeah. <laughs> And like a whole, like a whole stick of butter, you know, for no reason. Like it's that that kind of guy who's like, oh, I'm gonna eat the whole banana. Yeah, there's a uh, Patrick Redford for the excellent website Defector Denny. Uh, recently, he tweeted in the preseason that he's a Sacramento Kings fan. He tweeted in the preseason that if the Sacramento Kings made the NBA playoffs, he would eat an entire <laughs> onion like it were an apple. And this has come to pass. He did it last week on Defector. No. And it is worth oh, checking out a few of them. That's not pretty gross. It. Oof. But yeah, but yeah, Denny, it is known. The Zoomers are calling it the peel. The cover. And then I, of course, removed the banana cover. I'll admit it. But no, yeah, I mean, come on, no, no. So they're not taking Will. Let's get back to the. Let's get back to the. Yeah, yeah. What were we talking about? Will Levis. We're, we're talking about Will Levis. We're talking about Anthony Richardson. Whoever lands at Anthony Richardson is going to be pressed into playing him early. I don't care what anybody says about we're going to develop him. We're going to give him five years on the bench. Not, nobody's doing that. Okay, he's he's gonna he's gonna be playing within probably the first month or two of the season, and he could be great for fantasy. Okay, that's not. I'm not saying that he's not going to be good for fantasy, but boy, is he gonna 
crush the pass catchers in his offense. I want I want it to be the Falcons, even though I don't want Kyle Pitts and Drake London to suffer. I just think like philosophically what they've got going on there, that it would be a pretty interesting fit for Anthony. And and Arthur Smith has had success with like a quarterback that you don't want passing all the time and Ryan Tannehill. Oh. I just think Listen, maybe it's if an Anthony, interesting fit. Anthony Richardson ends up in Atlanta. Uh, you're talking about there will be games where he throws 12 passes. Yeah, I mean, if that, I mean, there will be months where he throws 12. Yeah. Passes. <laughs> I mean, it'll, yeah, then, then we're going to talk about target share. Oh, 45% target share for Drake London, three targets. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, he'll set the record for target share. Uh, yeah. And then he'll come in 122nd in the league. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. we'll, we'll see what happens. But someone's going to trade up to number three, and they're not going to be doing it to take a defensive end. So, Fascinating situation to follow. Denny Brees Hall, who was recovering from a torn ACL, pretty bad knee injury. In the words of his coach, Robert Sala, looks fantastic. Yeah. The Jets are expecting him to be ready for week one. I mean, this is just coach speak on the one hand, but also, I mean, it's not coach speak we get all the time. Last year with J.K. Dobbins, the Ravens never even came close to saying he'd be ready for week one. And, of course, he was not healthy to begin the season. So it is notable the Jets are willing to go on the record with this, but with Brees Hall and his recovery. Mm-hmm. And again, we've learned us not to take this thing kind of thing for granted. Um, so it does seem like very good news, but do we still need to be, you know, circumspect, cautious, and like not get out, not get ahead of ourselves, basically drafting Brees Hall coming off a torn ACL? Maybe a little bit, but, um, you know, the Dobbins injury was complicated. Like that, that we, we knew that pretty early on that it wasn't like your run of the mill ACL situation. With Reese Hall, it seems from what I've read about it that it is more standard uh, kind of ACL injury, and it, it happened in what late September or early October. You know, so it was at least October. It might have honestly been November. No, but, really. Uh, no. I'm looking it up. Look it up. I'm going to keep talking. You look it up. Uh, I'm looking it up. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I do think that you can. It, draft- it happened during the preseason. No, it was uh, October 23rd. Oh, okay. That is later than I thought. Um, but you know, I, I do want to say that Reese Hall, as as listeners know, was excellent in his limited time in his what six weeks of the regular season, led all running backs in yards before contact per carry, was top fifteen in yards after contact per carry, and second, second behind only Derrick Henry in yards per route run, which once again raises the question. Why is Derrick Henry not catching more passes? Anyway, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of know why because we see the ball clang off his hands. We also have also seen with our own eyes. They throw him like one screen a month, and every single time it's an 82 yard touchdown. Hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> the guy gets going, and defenders are literally running running out of bounds to avoid. <laughs> you know, it's like the classic. Like he's like drag. Like like people are just like like roadkill like rolling off of him like as they try desperately try to grab his leg Please maybe throw that good. man a few more screens was all, oh, and all and, and Brees Hall was a, was also a target magnet uh um last year you know so he has he has everything going for him i i think you're probably going to get him at a slight injury discount and uh i wouldn't i wouldn't hate that and you know what you have to remember with Brees Hall too their most important factor is Pains me to say it, but I've said it many times on this podcast. Michael Carter's not good. Um, so that helps. That helps. Uh, once again, the Carters are being attacked. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Michael of House Carter. Um, it's not very good. It's a shame. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do have to concede that Michael Carter is probably not good. 
So probably not good. We're gonna we're gonna go forward with that understanding into 2023. So yeah, my final word on Brees Hall would be it is coach speak, but been reading coach speak for over a decade here at Roto World. There are all sorts of different flavors of it. And it is notable when it's April and the, the coach is like actually willing to say they'll be out there week one because yeah. a lot of times, even when it's clear they're going to be, they won't say that. So very, very notable that Robert Sala had enough confidence to say that about what we hope is a starting running back in 2023. Benny, what you hope is the Chiefs' number one wide receiver yeah. is Richie James, who yeah. was quite good for the Giants last year. He's kind of an unsung hero of the Giants. He's now a Chief. I mean, he signed like in the fourth wave of free agency. When you sign on April 7th, uh, which was the day he signed, you're not even guaranteed to make the 53-man roster. Right. But he, he certainly ended up in the right spot where there's a targets need, uh, amazing offense, designed amazingly well, a guy who did uh, really exceed his expectations last year since his expectations were non-existent for the New York Giants. Very, very interesting landing spot for a guy. I mean, quietly had 57 catches what are we telling the folks about Richie James ending up with the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, you know, what do we what do we say about non-Kelsey pass catchers in this offense? Like they're interchangeable. And, you know, I think that likely he's going to be a rotational slot guy in the Kansas City offense. They lost Nicole Hardman, who ran 53% of his uh, routes from the slot last season. Uh, Sky Moore was used about half the time in the slot. Juju, obviously they lost him, uh, let him walk uh, to New England. He had a 43% uh, slot rate. So they, they are looking to fill some some slot snaps. Uh, I, you know, I don't think that, you, you know, best ball. I know our, our, our good buddy Davis Maddock was very excited about Richie James. I don't know. I don't know, Davis. What a surprise. <laughs> And uh, say I'm I'm in I'm in on a non-Kelsey pass catcher in this offense that treats all pass catchers uh, like they're nobody, even if they're good, like Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony still can't get a foot in the door. So um, I, I I'm not not too excited. I, I should say we should have Davis on the show sometime soon. Yeah. By the way, uh, Richie James to me, he could just be being signed as like a return returner type guy. Yeah. He did a lot of that. That's kind of why he was drafted by the 49ers, I think. And Sky Moore uh, had some issues returning the football last year, yeah. and they might want a more reliable option there. I will, I will say, it's too bad Richie James is already 27. I, I kept thinking he's like 24 or 25 because he's only been in the league since 2018, which I guess that math wouldn't really add up. Uh, but he, I thought he was only like 25 or 26. He is 27. You might be like, oh, it's just one year, but there is a difference there. Not much projection left for Richie James, basically. No. But he produced in a much less talent bereft, much less talent bereft, I don't know, bad offense last year. Something Not like bad. That. I, don't, I don't know what the Dable Army do. Uh, lack of talent in the Giants offense, and he stepped up. And he's going to a much better situation. But I think your reading of the situation is correct, where yeah. there's, there's no need to be like singing best ball songs about Richie James. Yeah, and I, I was actually just looking, because Richie James was among the league leaders in – slot receptions last year he had 54 on on the year i'm sorry 54 targets he had 45 receptions uh from the slot uh, but he was not good he was not good from it he was uh 40th in yards per route run from the slot um i mean that could have something to do with how conservative and sort of inefficient the giants offense was with daniel jones and i i personally i'm i would say go out on a ledge and say that 
uh, Patch Mahomes is better. I mean, no. I, mean uh, I think some members of Giants Army are in the mood or they, they would dispute that. I don't know, man. Okay, I know. Daniel Jones makes one good throw and they would be like, oh, this would be on SportsCenter if Mahomes did that. No. I've had everyone in Giants Nation telling me I had Brian Dable too low in my coach rankings. I believe I had him 15th, which might sound low. Until you look at the list and see that there's actually a lot of really good coaches right now, and it was just one year. I gotta, I gotta hedge a little. Right, and what are you, what are you supposed to do? Put them above, uh, above Harbaugh and Belichick? Oh man, Harbaugh is another one where, like, the 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 worm has turned on Harbaugh. We're like oh, Harbaugh, like, like, like apparently it's like a new school of Ravens fans that just hate Harbaugh and like couldn't believe I still had him ranked as an elite coach. And, well, that's because I we said it the other a uh, couple weeks ago. Harbaugh did the analytics thing and it didn't work. And that's the worst of all worlds, really, because, worlds. because the fans see that and they go, Hey man, it didn't work. Stop with that. We got to start punting from the, our own, from the opponent's 40 yard line. We like that now. I was very surprised by that feedback. That was one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got to the piece is the Ravens fans have turned on John Harbaugh. What, what, what are the Ravens doing analytically? Honestly, I mean, they're, they're drafting safeties and centers. They're signing Odell Beckham. Come on, I mean, to a, like a mega, like a monster contract. I mean, relative to what he probably would have signed for elsewhere. I don't, I don't get their 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 personnel stuff is out of control, bad lately. It's almost like one of the greatest GMs in league history, Ozzie Newsom, retiring was bad. It it has it has proven. It, Good and bad things might not be the same. <laughs> they might not be the same thing. But if you have not checked out my coach's piece yet, please check it yeah. out. It's still up on the Definitely. website. It's very long. I'm not going to – no one's going to – It's good. Gonna... It's a good read, though. It's a good read. And you probably won't – You it, it, as a reader, you probably won't become enraged because you – you don't say anything inflammatory. You 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 straight down the middle. You spit the facts. I do. I am spitting facts. You you report. They decide. It's true. And I'm going to be spitting some facts about our draft guides and our app uh, right now. So please listen. Every season is draft season. Get your Rotorworld draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Rotorworld draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry and save an extra 20% at checkout. That is promo code B-E-R-R-Y to save an extra 20% at checkout. And, of course, don't forget, download the Rotorold app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Denny, before the break, I mentioned my article. Now we come out of the break to mention one of your many, many articles. Um, <laughs> writing about tight ends on April 10th. It's questionable uh, whether we can take anything away from it, but I I thought that it was, it'd was be good to look no, at it. No. It is, and you've been pumping out amazing stuff all offseason, and I seriously don't know how you come up with all these ideas. But very oh, thankful yes. you do. So there's content on the website and, of course, fodder for our podcast. And, yes, today it is on target commanding tight ends. Or maybe take us through the conceit of the article. What What yeah. is the target? Maybe tight ends who commanded more targets than you thought last season and could continue that in 2023. Am I correct? Yeah, mostly like, uh, you know, tight ends who had interesting uh, target per route run profiles and how those may have changed last year compared to previous years. Uh, of course, for one of these guys, he's a rookie, uh, Chigo Conquo from Tennessee. So that, 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 you know, doesn't apply to him, but you know, mo- mostly, you know, is this guy commanding targets when he's out there and the cover guy for this piece was Pat Fryermuth. And I, I look, I went into this. I did not expect that. Okay. I, I was not, I was not saying I got to find some stuff to get Fryermuth on the front page of the get website. On the list. Okay. Uh, no, you know, the, the, uh, no one from, uh, from NBC, uh, headquarters told me to do that. Okay. So it's, it just happened. Um, our, our demands are getting more, more complicated and complex now, <laughs> um, as we get deeper into the litigation. Now I will say, you know, the, the handwritten letter I got the other day said, telling me that I had to write about Zach, Zach Gentry, the tight end and, of uh, Pittsburgh. Now that's going to be tough. If you had I'll read the letter to the end, you would of course know to never mention the letter. <laughs> I, so. I, I do have to read more uh Frymuth, so just just so folks know uh any tight end who ran a reasonable number of routes uh i i made the cutoff at at 100 for for last year which is not a lot but you know had to cut it off somewhere uh any any tight end who has an over 20 percent target per route run rate is, is doing pretty well in commanding targets and Frymuth last season had a 2020 i'm sorry had had a 22.1% target per route run rate that's higher than his uh, first year by about 2% um and mostly this is just you know Kenny Pickett picking up where picking up man i cannot see <laughs> where Ben Roethlisberger left off which is a, a lot of a lot of checkdowns a lot of dump offs and that's good that's good for for the may, possibly the Steelers running backs going forward. It's good for Deontay Johnson and it's good for uh, Pat Fryermuth. Um, you know, he, he only ran a route on 72% of Pittsburgh's dropbacks. We'd like to see that definitely that rate in the eighties, possibly even the nineties to, to make sure that, you know, he can get there on a weekly basis. But I think Fryermuth profiles as, you know, in PPR leagues as uh, a guy who who can be a plug and play starter, not not anyone who can be elite. I don't think, except for if he has crazy touchdown luck, um, a AK variance. But um, you know the 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 target per route run data is pretty good on the Muth. 
And as we talked about it recently. I can't remember why. This isn't really – this isn't your father's Steelers uh, receiver core where it's not nearly as deep as we're used to. It's not like it's shallow, but it's just Deontay Johnson, who, as we know, is one of the more inefficient receivers in the entire NFL. And then it's George Pickens, who had an okay rookie year, but you're talking about target commanding for Pat Fryermuth, which we know is kind of a skill. And not kind of a skill, it is a skill. Mm-hmm. And George Pickens didn't command as many targets as we expected as a rookie, right. despite his really imposing physical profile. And so just it's maybe a situation that could continue and the target share could actually grow for Pat Fryermuth in 2023. The Steelers could draft a receiver. I mean, Kevin Colbert's now gone as GM. He's one of the best uh, wide receiver drafters in NFL history. Uh, so maybe they won't have the same luck they had drafting receivers, but they could draft a receiver and throw someone else into this mix, but it looks like a situation where Pat Fryermuth is primed to just continue seeing really big target shares and perhaps yeah, continuing to grow his target share. Uh, you know, and, and Pickett last year was 24th in average depth of target among, among quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, so we, we could get another season. It just looks like Pickett's the kind of guy who is going to feed his short area targets more often than not. It's not good for George Pickens. It is good for someone like the move. And uh, no, that's no way to transition. Uh, who's the next player? Yeah. <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to think of a good transition. Yeah. So this is, this, is, this is to give some offer some copium, as the kids call it, to Kyle Pitts drafters from last year. Listen, listen to me. Your process wasn't wrong, okay? So I know, beginning the offseason by telling people to just draft Kyle Pitts yet again. Is what I, we're doing. No, I, I still don't know where I stand, but the, the data is intriguing, okay? Uh, his target per route run last year was 26.5%. That's outrageous for a tight end. That, that's a lot for a receiver. It's crazy for a tight end. His career rate is 22.6%. Uh, there was a, a stretch last year, a four a four week stretch, where Pitts was particularly dominant in the run heavy Atlanta offense. Uh, he had a thirty three percent target per route run rate. Uh, so he was, in other words, he was getting a target every third pass route he was running, which is insane. He he is a commander of the targets. Whether those will be there for him to have is another question. So I'm surprised to hit the 100-route threshold that you have for your article. <laughs> Come on. Too soon? Would you rather have Desmond Ritter or Anthony Richardson as Kyle Pitts' quarterback? In uh, Ritter, for sure. Really? Yeah, because they're not mm. like they're not going to let Richardson drop back and throw. Like, they're, like Ritter, at least, will have some, you know, produce some pass volume, even if it's not good. It's some. It's more routes. It's some pass volume. They're not going to have any with Richardson. He did have more pass volume than Marcus Mariota did, even though he yeah. was not in any discernible way better than Marcus Mariota. And, uh, one thing. Uh, one thing. Arthur Smith. I, I'm pretty sure you're listening. Uh, try to use Kyle Pitts in the slot more. I mean, he was and maybe get mismatches for the seven foot five tight end slash receiver that you have. He's he's a uh, he was 14th in tight end slot rate last year. That's what is that? 14. There were 13. You're talking about Tyler Conklin running more slot routes than him. You know what the lawyers require you to call Tyler Conklin. Come on. I know. Conk daddy. Yeah, thank uh, you. But yeah, I, you know, and I don't, I don't love saying that. I'm actually saying it quiet. So my kids can't hear me. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pitt, but yeah, so, so, you know, Pitts was really good from the slot. 
let's uh, let's get him in 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 the slot more often, uh, Arthur Smith. It would be very traumatizing to hear your grown adult father say <laughs> "conk daddy." Um, conk it would daddy. be. Um, yeah, I'm whispering it too. I have four children, as you know, and they cannot hear me ever say the words "conk" and "daddy." So that 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 number is stable. The four it hasn't. It is, hasn't yeah. Happened. More children have not uh, materialized, <laughs> emerged in the last five days. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> well, we we did just recently audit the family, but it's still four. <laughs> still, okay, um, do a head count. Yeah, still four. Rick, was Marcus Mariota a noble failure? By the way, with the Falcons, was that something that needed to be tried, or no? No, no, that, that was, no, that was a, that was a horrible experiment. What, what was the upside? Well, I just feel like they didn't even run the experiment properly. Like they still like just didn't let him do anything, um, but he, no, that's right. he doesn't like to though. He just doesn't, he's not aggressive. He, and he also hated life there. I mean, he, he yeah, abandoned he the team eventually. That's like what? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He, he stopped, he stopped what? like going to, <laughs> he stopped attending practices and stuff. Uh, once he was benched or once we, he was, Oh, uh, that sounds like, vaguely familiar. Yeah. Oh, th- it was something I, I know I say this a lot, but it was something that the media really didn't talk about much, but Falcons beat writers were like, Hey, we don't know where Mariota is. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he's like pretending he's doing something else, but the team doesn't know anyway. Yeah, no, that was a, that was terrible. They should have just gone with Ritter from week one. Do you remember what team Marcus Mariota is on now? Oh, I do because he's going to have extreme fantasy relevance this year. Oh the East. Yeah, I was hoping you didn't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he ended up ended up in the right spot. Denny, did did Chigo Conquo end up in the right spot? Tight end, you Tennessee yeah. Titans. Yeah, right. I mean, twenty six percent target per route run uh, share in uh, twenty twenty two, which was really good. You know, it comes in one of the most conservative run heavy offenses in the league, as you know. Uh, and, and really he just didn't run that many routes. Uh, he, he, you know, he wasn't much over the hundred route, uh, you know, threshold there. So he will be touchdown reliant. I, I, I think it's good. It's good to know about this data because if something happens, if Mike Vrabel sees the light or something and they pass more, they, they become more balanced. They, you know, and he, they have Chigo Conquo that they're running routes, then you know, based on last year's production, that he can get there uh, without without running all the routes. Okay. Like he 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 can he can run, he can have like a 60 to 70 percent route rate and still sort of kind of get there for fantasy. Uh, but you know, beware. I, I I think that he's probably people are probably a little too excited to draft Chig in best ball. Right you were supposed to say it. They're a little too excited to get chiggy with it. Me, you're supposed to say, but it was an amazing season for a fourth round rookie tight end. And Mm -hmm. like, we do have to keep our eye on the Oconquo situation because they don't usually do what he did, especially in that situation, a really, really bad situation. So uh, it just wouldn't be surprised if he was someone like the whole league just slept on because he came out of this really small, terrible football school that no one at our, on our podcast attended called Maryland. Jeez. Um, yeah. School, he but, did. He did. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know the first thing about Maryland football. I know it's yeah. ridiculous. Why you got to follow it. It's fun. There's no, no, they're in the big 10. I'm not watching big 10. Yeah, no, that's true. Actually, you can't watch big 10 football. Can't do it. Can't do it. Sounds awful. Uh, 
Who's the final man on your list for the the fifth member that I added that I'm going to force you to talk? Yeah, about? Uh, TJ Hawkinson. So his uh, target per route rate profile changed uh, pretty significantly when, once he was dealt to the Vikings at midseason last year. Twenty two and a half percent rate on his target on his routes. Uh, that is higher than his twenty point nine percent rate on 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 his career, um, and you know way higher than it was like in 2020 and parts of 2021. So in other words, he, you know, he was very inefficient, like lots of dump dump downs, lots of short area stuff, but man, I mean, TJ Hawkinson was a PPR scam. He was, I mean, I think it was something beyond scam. Like he was like one of those things where like he was skimming money for years from management at whatever firm he worked for. It went like far beyond scam. Let me tell you, let me, let me try to quantify the, 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 the scammy nature of the uh, fantasy points that Hawkinson scored in the second half of last season. Only Travis Kelsey among tight ends notched more expected fantasy points than Hawkinson over the second half. Hawkinson was uh, in line with Tyler Higby in yards, yards per route run. Not good. So we have the fantasy points of a Kelsey. And we have the, 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 the <laughs> profile of a Tyler Higby. I don't know if Hawkinson is good. I will say that his role in that Kevin O'Connell offense as the clear cut number two guy and the, the Higby and, and, and the clear cut, right. And the clear cut uh, uh, short area receiver is very valuable for fans. They got to get more out of him because you mentioned a lot of the advanced stats. There's one stat that is never as telling as you think, unless it's at one of the extremes is yards per catch. And TJ Hawkinson's was at an extreme where he averaged 8.6 yards per catch. We're like, that's solid for a running back. But if you're a tight end and it's under 10, yeah. that's like an immediate red flag and like just you know, zero efficiency from this guy or zero like explosiveness. And only, only three touchdowns and 86 targets. It's like the targets were just out of this world. And now Adam Thielen is gone. So maybe he can, get more of like a traditional red zone, like dunking role. Yeah. But yeah, we need uh, more efficiency from TJ Hawkinson. Absolutely. I, uh, it would, that would, would be nice to get because I, I don't know if we could, if we can continue to, to get away with the scam uh, throughout yeah. this coming year. That's what but, I was getting at. We're like, I mean, the Raven, or excuse me, the, the Vikings have to see the same things we're seeing. And like, maybe they're thinking they shouldn't be giving TJ Hawkinson eight to nine targets per game. Uh, yeah. Right. 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 I mean, listen, he was with the team for like two days before his first game against Washington, and he got 10 targets. It was seriously really, really wild. By the way, producer Adam weighs in on the University of Maryland. Uh, He says they stink. (laughs) (laughs) It it does seem that way. Uh, Did did they play in a bowl game this year? I don't don't know. You're supposed to know these. I I can't follow Maryland football. I think they did. And I can't think, follow I think, the Big Ten. It was uh, like the Punch Bowl. The, the Punch Bowl? They were in the Banana Peel Bowl. <laughs> the um, Banana Cover. Yeah, the, the Banana Cover Bowl. That's what in the South they do call it a cover. I mean, come on. Obviously, they call it a cover. <laughs> and since they have to have a weird word for everything in the Southern United States. But up here, you know, in Missouri, and the, the heart of this union, we call it a peel. <laughs> so I like I like that the heart literally has to be in the middle. Yeah, it does. Um, the continue the center of the United States. I think it used to be in Missouri, but now it's in Kansas. Oh, uh, producer Adam is telling us that Maryland 
beat NC State 16 to 12 in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Oh, that's right. Well, you know what happens then? Then is the head coach gets mayoed. And I feel like we've talked about this maybe on the pod that your head coach got mayoed. I can't remember. Is it DJ Durkin or something? I can't remember who sure. the Maryland head coach is. I don't know. It's Mike Loxley. Oh, I remember Mike Loxley getting mayoed. It was quite a sight. It's it's the grossest thing that happened in the whole sports year. Yeah, Mike Loxley got mayoed. I remember now. He's got a he's got a what the Zoomers would call a rather large bald dome, and <laughs> he got covered in mayo. And it's worth checking out. A real fan would have known, Denny. Uh, yeah, you're you're right, and I'm not. A real Maryland fan would have known. Uh, so yeah, I feel like for some reason on this podcast we haven't talked much about Darren Waller being a New York Giant yet. And you were talking about some of the receivers kind of like in his target class. I just want to talk about maybe your initial thoughts on Darren Waller in 2023 with the Giants where we talked about the state of the Giants uh, skill core in 2022 is that Richie James was one of their most valuable players. That's like how bad the group was. So just what should the expectations be for Darren Waller in this Brian Dable offense in New York? Well, I mean, Waller had some time in the Vegas offense before Devontae Adams and was – you know, a target hog, a 25% target share in 10 games uh, in 2021. Uh, the season before that, we're looking it up very quickly here, 28% target share in 16 games, which was like like dwarfed everybody else. Nelson Aguilar was second on that team with 15%. So, yeah, I mean, he, he has – Waller has a history of being able to step into offenses without an alpha receiver – and and just soaking up targets. Um, what comes to mind is uh, opening opening night, opening Monday night, one when you're against the Chargers, where he had like oh, yeah. 20 targets. <laughs> That's right. Didn't happen at all. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I mean, he he would seem to be now. The only issue is is age and and all the injuries uh, that that Waller has had. I mean, he's turning 31 in September. He struggled with with various injuries, both lower body and upper body, over the past three seasons. So I, I I do think that that needs to factor into it. But yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, a, a target vacancy there in New York. Um, hopefully, he can fill it. And you see a team go out and aggressively get a guy like that, where they have such an acute need for a targets dominator. Maybe the Giants can end up drafting receiver like in the first sixty picks. Mm-hmm. Something to keep an eye on, but. Yeah, it could be a, like a, a Waller Sans, um, the Big Apple. Sorry, I mean it's April tenth. It does. It does. It also strikes me as, I think, presumptuous for the Giants to like to like take Waller at this advanced age with all the injuries. I I, I don't know. I don't. Well, know. the Giants are feeling it, man. They're running it back with Daniel Jones, which I don't know. Wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't have done it myself. Well, I mean, they probably had the worst starting tight end in the NFL last year. With they did. Jones. That's true. And then he got poked in the eye and missed like six weeks. It was horrific. Like yeah. they had to cart him off. They were oh, like, I, I thought he was going to lose the lose the eye. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really bad. Uh, but great anyway, way to end the yeah. show. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, Daniel Bellinger, he recovered, and he was not good. No, uh, you and, need uh, to. Well, first thing you do after the show's over is go to YouTube and look up Mike Loxley getting mayoed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, check it out. Just trust me. Uh, you got to do it. You do have to do it. So you got to listen to the show, which you've already done if you're still here. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back on Thursday with Denny. Denny, anything in the pipeline right now? Or 
we are looking into uh, EPA data from the past couple of years and seeing what that can tell us for drafts this year. Oh, wow. That'd be really cool. Um, always a lot of interesting stuff to turn up when you dig into the EPA, which I did, yeah. had to do a lot during my coaching article. It's a, um, it's a heavy lift, many are saying, and uh, it's taking a little little while longer. <laughs> <than that. laughs> that's, uh, that's fine. Uh, long for you, getting an article out is still very quick for most people. Right. It's, so. it's, it's 12 hours. <laughs> so we are looking forward to that. So for Denny Carter, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back later in the week for some draft talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.